Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. Since I'm in the middle of rehearsals for Schwanda the Bagpiper, originally called Schwanda Dudak, it seems only appropriate that we discuss Czech diction this week. Mezzo-soprano Lucia Ceralova has been coaching us on our Czech here at the Zemperoper, and she and I had a great time double-teaming our poor singers, so now we'll do the same for you. As sometimes happens, we had far too much fun talking, and the information was all so good that I've had to split it up over two episodes. This week, we'll focus on Oblak Amrakota jest vukolnyeho, the first of Dvorak's biblical songs. Someone had made the suggestion on the Facebook page to find songs that were not in Timothy Cheek's singing in Czech, and I really tried, but I prefer to stick with texts in the public domain with texts published online. So the songs for this week and next are also in the book. We focus on devoicing consonants, the palatal N, and a couple of ways to practice the R. Also on this episode, Lucia gives us a few tongue twisters to add to the tongue exercises that Zilke Korpiers had given us a few weeks ago. I still remember the moment that I truly devoted myself to music. Now don't get me wrong, I was pretty much always going to be a musician. That was never really in doubt. My mom was a pianist and a music teacher. I've been playing piano since I was three and singing even longer than that. And the only other thing I ever wanted to be was a writer. But somehow, I never made a real conscious decision to make music until I was 19. I was in piano class, and my fellow classmates were both grad students. Momak had already played, and Helen was up, playing Chopin's G minor ballade. Just as she hit the coda, something inside me changed. It just touched my soul in a way that I'd never before felt so clearly. And I thought, I have to do that. So when it was my turn, I'm sure they were waiting for me to play my Beethoven's 32 variations, basically technically well, but I made a different choice. I chose to make music rather than to play every note correctly. It was a huge moment, and I honestly will never forget the looks of respect, encouragement, and hope that I saw on my fellow students and my teacher, Ralph Zitterbart's faces. The funny thing is, I crashed and burned during that performance. About two pages from the end, I lost my place and I couldn't get back to it, so I just ended up stopping. But they were all so excited and thrilled at the way I'd just played that I could see they knew how far I had come in those 15 minutes. The moral of that story for me is, it's not about getting to the end. It's about the journey. Take people with you on that journey and it doesn't matter where you end up, just that you shared it with them. From that moment on, my choice was always to make music. Technique just became the means to that end. The odd thing about that choice is that suddenly everything became extremely important, and for a long time I was a whole lot more nervous than I'd ever been before. It's one thing when you play everything right. It's a whole other ball game when you pour your heart and soul into something and people criticize it. I've had singers come into coaching sometimes where they just sort of sing through the song, assuming that I'll correct the notes and the diction and the style, and that's my job. But the notes and diction and style are all informed and enhanced by the music that you're trying to make. So try committing to that music in every coaching, in every lesson, and see how things improve. 
Just as we say that you should mark with your voice and not your body, you should mark with your voice and not your intentions. In this age of younger, faster, louder auto-tune and CDs where they can correct single notes or improve everything, as musicians, it's important to always get back to the basics. Make music. Share it with people. That's why people still come to see live performances. They want to be transported with you. So if you haven't already done it, commit to making music rather than just to singing or playing the piano. In the end, it'll pay off a million-fold. I'll post links to the text for today and for Timothy Cheek's book, Singing in Czech, at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also find The Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter at Diction Police. Our text for today is Oblak Amrakota Jest Vukol Nieho, the first song in Dvorak's Biblické písně, the biblical songs, which are taken from the Book of Psalms. The text here is from Psalm 97, verses 2 through 6. In the interview, I talk a lot about the hachek. Remember that a hachek is that little carrot-top V-looking symbol above the vowel E and some other consonants, which affects their pronunciation. Oblak amrakota jest vůkol něho. Spravedlnost a soud, základ trůnu jeho. Oheň předchází jej a zapaluje vůkol nepřátel jeho. Zasvěcujíc se po okršku světa blízkání jeho, to vidouc země děsí se. Hory jako vosk rozplývají se před obličejem hospodina, panovníka vší země. A slávu jeho spatřují všichni národové. That was Lucia Ceralova reading Oblak Amrakota jest vukol nieho. And you said before we started, this is a biblical text, so this is really like Hochtschechisch, right? Ja, sehr Hochtschechisch und auch ein bisschen alt, also älter. So würde man heutzutage vielleicht nicht jetzt sprechen. Right. Das ist keine Umgangssprache. Diese Übersetzung, das nennt man Kralitzer Bibel. Das mm -hmm. ist wie, also für die Tschechen genauso wie für die Deutschen, die Lutherbibel. And to speak for the English mm -hmm. people, this is, mm -hmm. this is their equivalent of the King James Bible, but for the Germans it's mm -hmm. the equivalent of Martin Luther's Bible. Und das sind Psalme, Eben daraus. Yeah. Und Dvořák war ja ein sehr gläubiger Mensch und deshalb hat, hat, wollte er auch diese tolle Übersetzung haben für seine biblische Lieder. Yeah. So these are Psalms that he wanted this really, he was a very religious man and he really wanted this beautiful language to be used. Mm. Just to get down to a few basics, one thing that I find that a lot of people forget is that this M followed by E with the Hachek always gets an N between it. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple examples in here. Mm -hmm. hier haben, wir haben hier zum Beispiel das Wort Semne. Also immer wenn nach M ein E mit dem Häkchen kommt, muss man immer ein N dazwischen mm -hmm. reintun. Das ist immer. <lacht> yeah. Das Tschechische hat nur, kennt eigentlich nur offene Vokale. Das sieht man gleich bei der ersten Zeile. Oblak, das O. Niemals das deutsche Geschlossene, immer ein schönes, offenes O 
Oblak am Rakota, auch wie dem Rakota, jetzt auch ein ganz offenes E. Im, Im Deutschen würde man sagen A-Umlaut fast. Exactly. Mhm. Vukol Nieho. Bei, beim U ist im Tschechischen entweder, wenn ein Strich da ist oder ein Kringelchen, das heißt lediglich, dass U länger ist. Exactly. Das sagt etwas über die Länge. Yeah. Nichts über geschlossen oder offen. The first thing she said is, when you have an M that's followed by an E with that little carrot top over it, there's always an N. So it's always phonetically M, N, Y, and then E, open E. Mm -hmm. And then she said, all of these vowels are open, so you can hear this Oblak is not the German closed O. And when you see an accent mark or a little circle on top of the U, And an accent, I mean not the carrot, but a real accent mark. It doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the vowel sound. It only has to do with the, the length of the vowel. But the hacek doesn't, doesn't elongate the vowel. The little hacek no, no. only affects the consonant that came before it or the consonant itself. Genau. So like, like nieho is not as long as like vukol, right? Genau, 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 genau. So is das. Weiter sehen wir uh, auf dem, an dem ersten Satz. Das K zum Beispiel äh, am Schluss, es wird nie äh, aspiriert. Also, es, also P, T, K ist wie im Italienischen, ohne Aspiration, ohne Behauchung. Yeah, das so, ist auch grundsätzlich im Tschechischen so. Ja, yeah, so P's, T's and K's, we have to be careful that we don't give that big puff of air at the end of them, because we really don't go P. Ja, also nicht, nicht explosiv. So think, think in terms of Italian, mm -hmm. where it's not exploded. And in the second sentence, we also have what uh, we have an, an L as a vowel. <laughs> Spravedlnost. Das wird auch wieder vokalisch aufgelöst. Also Spravedlnost. Das ist so ein Neutrum. Man kann schwer sagen, ob das ein Ö ist. I forgot to translate this part of the time. Lucia said that this L will turn into a very neutral vowel sound. And now she goes on to ask me how I would describe it. Yeah. Wie würdest du das bezeichnen? I would actually probably write some kind of a schwa mm -hmm. so that we don't so that we don't go and keep our tongue nein, 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 attached nicht. to the top of the lips Ganz all the time. Genau. Since we talked a little bit about hacheks, what happens when a hacheck comes on an N at the end of a word? Mm -hmm. Das macht dass aus dem N einen Buchstaben, den nennt man Ny. <lacht> Und das kommt vor im tschechischen Alphabet, nach N kommt Ny. N, N, M. Uh! Das ist Ny. So the N with the Hacek is actually its own letter in the alphabet in Czech. Ja, ja, ja. Okay. Genauso wie bei R und Z mit dem Hacek, S und Sch. Also deshalb ist es N und Ny. Okay, so it all, all of these letters have their own place mm. in the Czech language. Ja, ja, natürlich. Okay. Und ich erkläre das immer den deutschen Sängern so, dass man ein kleines J nach dem N denkt, aber eigentlich nur denkt. Nja. Es ist ein sehr enger Raum. Ja. Nja, die Zunge liegt. Nja. Es hat auch natürlich viele nasale Komponente. Ja. Ich will halt nicht, ich benutze das Wort nasal nicht so gerne, weil man will dann immer das in die Nase schieben, aber es hat schon was Nasales, weil yeah. N ist eben yeah. auch so, so ein Konsonant. Exactly, so it's, a, it's, a it's actually a pretty tight consonant, where the tongue lays, but it's laying up flat against the, the, the palate, and 
and then it's all it's almost like you're saying a j j glide at the end of it but you're not quite saying that it's really and it's a really sort of fat feeling to the mm-hmm. tongue that n n i sound that she said has something very nasal about it but it's not you try to avoid she tries to avoid saying that really nasal but it does have a kind of kind of in the nose quality to it and and when it's at the end of a word we really still hear it i mean it's easier in the middle when there's actually a vowel wenn ein vokal danach ist ist es ja eben dieses yeah und wenn kein vokal ist dann ist es and we still have Am to get that des Wortes. Genau. Yeah. Aber es ist die gleiche uh, Position. Yeah, the, gleiche, the same nye, consonant. Nye. She said that when it's followed by a vowel, then we get the sound. But when it's at the end of word, even though there's no vowel after it, we still have to make the same consonant sound in the same position. Ja. Da kommen wir zu, dem, zu der weiteren Regel, wenn nach DTN ein äh, kurzes I kommt oder ein langes I ist, ja. ist es immer DTNI, nicht DTNI. Mm-hmm. Weil DTNI wäre dann mit Y geschrieben. With a Y, mhm. exact. This is that D, D, T and N rule, followed by the letter I, whether it has an accent or not, it's always that softer But when it's followed by the letter Y, Das haben wir nämlich zum Beispiel in der fünften Zeile in, im Wort Briskani. Mm-hmm. Dann haben wir das Predobličem Hospodina. So that's the short one. That's when there's no accent on it, but it's, you can hear it's still that G sound. No. Exactly. Und genauso Schichni Narodové. Also die letzte Zeile dann. And in, yeah, so, and you can hear that Schichni is in the last line, which brings us to another point, which is unvoicing of consonants. So a V is normally a V sound, but when it's before this SH, which is the S with the Hacek. Ja, weil also S mit, Hak, mit Häkchen ist ein SCH und deshalb stimmlos im Tschechischen, exactly. im Deutschen. Mm-hmm. Und wenn ein V ist, wird es vor einem stimmlosen Konsonanten immer als F, deshalb stimmlos. Also das, was danach kommt, beeinflusst Die Qualität, ob es jetzt als W ausgesprochen wird oder als F. Exactly. Hoffe, so the, the S with the Hacek is a Sch sound. So in German they would write S-C-H. In, for us, for phonetics, it's the long squiggly S. And because that's an unvoiced sound, the V will unvoice to an F. Oh, there's tons of words like this. There's all kinds of words that'll, that it'll do that with. Und dann, das wäre vor einem stimmlosen Konsonanten. Right. Und dann haben wir aber hier, auch zum Beispiel in der vierten oder fünften Zeile, dann, äh, wenn nach V ein Vokal kommt, ist es dann zu W. Vokal zasvietsuit. Yeah, so you can hear, that's in the, the fourth and the fifth lines of the poem, you can hear that when a V is in front of a vowel, then it's still just a phonetic V. So it still stays its voiced self. Genau. And mm-hmm. one more thing I wanted to ask you in this piece, because you and I have talked about these r, r, r. Consonants, the R with the Hacek, and you had a great way to explain 
how to practice that. <lacht> ja, ich musste auch dann äh, fragen in Tschechien, weil klar, ich bin Tschechien und ich konnte das natürlich dann irgendwann mit drei Jahren sehr gut sagen. Aha. Man hört das von der Mutter und Oma und dann weiß man, ist ist mhm. und äh, konnte nicht verstehen, warum man eben Probleme dann hat oder wie man das erklärt. Aha. Having grown up as a Czech person, she heard this and of course as a child learned to do this before she knew that it was tough. Und es gibt aber natürlich auch Tschechen, die das auch nicht können und deshalb gibt es ja Logopäden und die trainieren das. But so when she grew up and was trying to explain to people how to do this, she went to speech therapists to find out. Und dann habe ich gefragt und die haben mir gesagt, also R ist eigentlich was Stimmloses. R ist stimmhaft bei uns. R ist eben stimmlos bei uns. Okay. Und man kann das aber so üben, wenn man gut Zungen R kann, mhm. das, ist, das muss ich ja dazu sagen. No? Ja. Also das R wird schon vorausgesetzt. Auf, mhm. auf jeden Fall, ja, yeah, you have to make sure you can roll your R's first. No. Äh, Zähne zusammen, viel Luft und dann Zungen R sagen. You can really get the, the R going and then put your teeth together and then blow a lot of air through it. And you can't see her, but I can. Her teeth are actually completely together. So. Genau. Und dann kommt automatisch dieser Klang, dass R ist. Es ja. hat aber mit R nicht wirklich was zu tun, aber so kann man das ganz toll trainieren. Ja. Also bei dir klingt das genauso, wie, wie es, das klingt tschechisch. But I hear a lot of Czechs that I get to work with, so thank you. Und die zweite Variante mhm. wäre, weil vielleicht ist es, manche verstehen das nicht so. Mhm. Und es gibt auch eine andere Variante, dass man D und R ganz schnell nacheinander sagt. Und dann viel Luft. Und irgendwann kommt auch so. Ja, sie sagt, there's another way of practicing this, that you can start it almost with a D sound, D and go back and forth with the D and the R. So, and then just push air through it. Aber eigentlich ist es ja, das R ist auch schon wieder ein bisschen vorhanden, aber das yeah. D vielleicht durch das D äh, sitzt das dann vorne, dass, dass man das that it starts in the right place no. and the nice thing about that is it gets your tongue up in the right spot and to be fair, eventually we have a whole lot of other consonants that we have to put in front of too, so it's, it's probably not a bad thing to practice and, and, and we'll get to that a little later I made a big deal about an M followed by E with a hacek, mostly because it's something that no matter how often we hear it, it's still really easy to forget. Phonetically, it should be transcribed as M, N with the hook on the left, then open E, so an open capital Epsilon E. That N with the hook on the left is the palatal N, and it's the same placement as the N in ONI. Just like Lucia said, At first, it tends to sound like N followed by a J-glide, but it really is just one sound. In Czech, it occurs whenever an N is followed by the letter I, accented or not, whenever an N has a hacek over it, or whenever the N or an M is followed by an E with a hacek. Along with the N, D and T also have a palatal sound. Just like the N, Ds and Ts are affected by the letter I. But unlike the N, sometimes Ds or Ts will have an apostrophe after them, or I've also seen them sometimes with little hacheks after them. 
In both cases, they'll be palatalized. The apostrophe and the hachik function in the same way. The phonetic spellings for these letters is your choice. We can use what looks either like an upside down lowercase f or a j glide with a line through it, depending on how you want to see it, for the d, or we can use a lowercase d with an apostrophe, which has the benefit of looking exactly the same way that it's spelled. For T, we can use a T with an apostrophe, or the phonetic letter C. Both spellings are technically accurate. It's just a matter of which one will you best understand for your own purposes. One thing I don't think we were perfectly clear about in the interview, none of these consonants are affected by the letter Y, only by the letter I. Phonetically, I and Y function the same in Czech, either as a long, closed, lowercased I if it has an accent, or a short, more open capital I when it doesn't have an accent. The only real difference between I and Y, then, is whether it affects the DJ-CHIN. Lucia had asked me how I would write the vocalic L's, and my answer was that I would probably write a schwa. That's my trick, but technically it's not accurate. The actual phonetic symbol for this vocalic L is a lowercase l with a small dot under it, not to be confused with the sign for de-voicing a consonant, which is a little circle. This one is a filled-in dot. But it's not a tight L where the tongue is really tensed. It's just a very relaxed L with a lot of schwa in it. Lucia also said that R with the hachek is an unvoiced consonant. But according to the rules, there are both voiced and unvoiced variations of the R sound. Basically, I think of the voiced version of this as a rolled R with a Z underneath it, and the unvoiced as a rolled R with SH under it. The voiced R is written as a lowercase R with a hachek, just as it looks, and it occurs at the beginning of a word with a vowel, between two vowels, or before or after a voiced consonant. The unvoiced sh should technically be written as a lowercase r with a ha check plus the little devoicing circle underneath it. But Timothy Cheek actually recommends making it a capital R with a ha check so that we don't get it confused with the vocalic r, which is a lowercase r with a dot under it. Either way is acceptable, so just pick the way that makes the most sense to you and stick with it. Lucia and I have been joking about a few tongue twisters over the last few weeks, and I knew the first four words to one, but I could never get any further than that. So I thought it would be a great way to close out this episode. 333 stříbrných stříkaček stříkalo přes 333 stříbrných střech. Absolutely, it's the most famous uh, tongue twister in Czech, in the Czech Republic. Okay, so the first part is easy, it's 333. 333. Okay, 333. Okay, Sehr gut. Okay. Stříbrný. Stříbrný. Silbande. Silbande. Mit H am Ende? Stří, genau, mit H. Mit CH. Mm-hmm. Stříkaček. Stříkaček. 
Strika-Check. Also das sind Wasserschläuche. So das sind uh, Fireman's Hoses. Mm-hmm. Strikalo. Strikalo. Přes. Přes. 
That's all we have time for today. Next week, we'll finish up our discussion on Czech diction with the Janáček song Letí straka letí. In the meantime, to find out more about Lucia Cerolova, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.